0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by T-shirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, and I am joined by Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson. Going to be rounding ourselves back into playing shape for the upcoming season, just like the team just got done with their summer camp. Guys, we're dusting off everything, going to be ready to rock and roll for the new season. So let's just go ahead and uh, get caught
2: up real quick. EJ, how are you doing, man? What's, uh, what's going on? I'm, I'm doing really well. Uh, life's been good. New job's been good. Uh, happy to be back in the Carolina. So everything's been good. All right, Mike, what about you, man? How are things going on your neck of the woods?
3: Uh, th- things are going on for me. I mean, I'm doing better than EJ is. You talk about blowing the dust off. This dude, we, so that the listeners know, we're on our second take of this cold open here because EJ just sneezed an absolute facial explosion into the microphone and muted me when he did it it was a pretty
1: amazing display i mean i I can count on one hand this dude this this
3: dude is so rusty he can't even figure out the buttons on the screen in front of him he (laughs) mutes me and then scream sneezes into the microphone so you know let's let's go ahead this this season's off to a hot start man
1: it's been a long long off season E.J. may have skipped a couple of the conditioning days here at the IC training camp. I always skip conditioning. That's my MO. There you go. <laughs> hey, it's a defensive line, you don't got to run far, right? Exactly. Three seconds at a time. There you go. All right, you guys. Well, hey, the season is about to begin a little bit over a week away. So, you know, kind of the biggest thing and the really one of the hottest topics right now are the new defensive and offensive schemes. We've talked about them a lot during the offseason. There were you know, a lot of people trying to analyze, hey, well, how would the new defense under Jay Bateman work? How would the new offense under Phil Longo work? And it's still a question mark you know, as to what the finished products are going to actually be. They just got done going over probably the the very basics. But you two guys having gone through coaching changes – and having to learn new playbooks over the summer, that's what we kind of wanted to make this podcast focused on. So we've got the one defensive player, the one offensive player. Works out perfectly. Uh, Mike, let's go ahead and start with you. In terms of just like over an offense, when a new offensive coordinator is coming in, how much do you really think Phil Longo has been able to implement of his final design, for what he wants the the UNC offense to be down the road are they maybe going to be running at 50% capacity you think for the opening kickoff against South Carolina or do you think it's realistic for them to be even further along at this point
3: uh i mean i, I don't i would go as low as 50% capacity but they're they're definitely at a reduced capacity just because these guys haven't had long enough in this system to really you know to start throwing in wrinkles and kind of finer, finer tuning his game plans and his offensive scheme, you know, right now they're still learning, you know, what are the fundamentals of this scheme? It's not the fundamentals of football, but every offensive scheme and EJ, I'll tell you, this works the same for defense, right? They all have all, all offensive defensive schemes have their own fundamental components that you need to learn in order to be able to, um, you know, start throwing in wrinkles and make things, you know, get things a little more, um, or or put a more advanced product out on the field you know there are probably four to five signature concepts in Phil Longo's offense that everything is everything branches off of those signature concepts everything is a variation of those base foundational plays and and foundational concepts so um they're in the process of really hammering down and honing in on those four to five concepts because if you're not going to be good at that if you can't be good at the foundational bread and butter basic stuff you're you can't move on to the next thing so they are focused on that and the benefit they have is you know it's not so much that we carolina has to adjust to um to phil longo it's that other schools have to now adjust to carolina when there's no film on us running these schemes they obviously have phil longo's film from ole miss and from other stops but you know when you can game plan a coordinator game planning a coordinator is a whole lot different than game planning. Personnel and unless you until you have enough film on a team's personnel running through these now new schemes, maybe you know advanced schemes, whatever you want to call them, um, unless you actually see the Jimmy, the Jimmys and Joe's running through this new version of X's and O's that Carolina's putting out there, it's much more difficult to game plan for it um, at this at this early juncture than it will be say in 2020 or even seven games into this season. All right. So then EJ,
1: turning to the defense, same sort of thing. I mean, how much of the total capacity do you think they'll be able to install? Do you think that defense is easier, harder, just the same to kind of learn a new system as opposed to the offense?
2: I think with the defense, the hardest part to really learn would be in the back end, the back seven coordinating their new uh the new philosophy towards pass coverage and everything uh the coach wants to do and whatever coach bateman's philosophy is towards that some some people like to play a zone some people like to press some people like to play uh just straight man so there are a lot of different a lot of different variations in that but What's encouraging is that the coaches are calling the two guys we have in the back end, Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfuck, elite smart. So I think with those guys being really the captains and the quarterbacks of the defense, if they're able to pick up on a lot of the coverages and a lot of the unique schemes th- that the coaches want to run, I think that they'll be able to run a open up the playbook a lot more. But as Mike and I both know, the playbook kind of matures with the players. As the players pick up more, the playbook's gonna be opened up more. But if the guys in the back end can pick it up and, and from everything that I've heard coming out of training camp, coming out of uh, the spring ball and what I saw myself in the spring game, I'm very encouraged by the progress of, of our back end players. So I think we go as they go. And another thing it kind of depends on is how healthy do we stay up front? We have a lot of we, we have some freshmen coming in uh, that provide some some depth, but I don't think that they'll be ready to provide that depth early on in the beginning of the season. So I think that we'll try to mix it up just to kind of keep those guys fresh. Uh, if, if We want to pressure almost every play. Like the coaches say that we want to do. I think that'll utilize, be able, they'll be able to utilize a lot of those young guys more because they'll just be going in one straight line. They don't have to think a lot. So how fast the second, uh, the second line of defense uh, comes in and, and matures and picks up on things and how quick our safeties can pick up things. I think that'll dictate it. But right now I do think it'll be something more simple and it'll mature as uh, we really see what our personnel can do and how how fast they can pick up on things.
1: Let me ask you a quick follow-up there, EJ. In terms of learning a new defensive scheme, do you think that that's something that starts at the back of the defense and works its way up to the defensive line? Because, you know, the common phrase is that football is won in the trenches, so that means line play is going to be more important. But in terms of actually learning it, in your opinion, does it kind of start with those secondary guys and then move up from there?
2: It all depends. So let's just say if you're going from a traditional 4-3 to a traditional 3-4 defense, not much is going to change. Most of your work, yeah, there's going to be some different coverage angles for the linebackers, but you really, that's when you're going to have to teach the defensive lineman the difference between reading one gap and being responsible for two gaps. Like you would be in a three, four, that's a different type of personnel. Those are different size guys. So in a situation like that, uh, and I'll say the best situation for me was when I went to Seattle, in college, we ran a traditional 4-3, but in Seattle, we ran a base under where I was lined up pretty much in the same position that I would would have been in college, but I was responsible for two gaps. So I couldn't just shoot up field, charge up field, and knock my guy back. I had to get leverage on him so I could shed either way. So in those situations, yeah, it will start up front, but most of the time, it, it'll be the secondary uh, will have to pick up on the unique schemes they have to pick up on. On the communication, uh, a lot of different defensive coordinators have different names or different things. It, could, it It's all really the same stuff. It's just called something different, or they may try to throw in a disguise to make it look different. So I, I always think the hardest work is going to be uh, in the secondary to learn a new defense.
1: Then, Mike, let me switch it over to you. As far as it goes on the offense, who do you think of the position groups could potentially have the most difficult time Picking up and being able to actually play the new
3: offense at the highest level possible for them. The easy answer is the quarterback. So let's let's go ahead and just remove him from the equation, right? The quarterback is the outlier. Um, he obviously has the most he has to read and the most he has to understand. But from that from that point forward, it's no, it's first and foremost the offensive line because they have the second most they have to read and understand to be able to dissect before the ball is even snapped. Um, and you know it, it's 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 twofold. So you obviously have the run game and the pass game. So the offensive line uh, in the running game has to be able to identify blitzes before they happen. You have to do it typically from a three point stance. Um, you know we'll see we'll see how Stacy Sarles wants wants their linemen lining up, how Mac wants his linemen lining up. A lot of schools are going to this two point stance. You won't really know. You know teams tinker with it in the spring and in the summer. During the uh, fall camp and everything, so you don't really know until the season gets started. You know are the offensive alignment always going to be in a two point? Or are they going to be down in a three point in the run game and two point in the pass game? Um, you know, or is it going to be a mixture of both, like most schools do? You know, how's it going to work? But typically, traditionally, when you got offensive alignment with their hand in the ground, it's much. It's much more. It is much more difficult to spot blitzes, identify them, and make the adjustment. Just because the run game, the run game is more of a. Um, I, get, I, I hate to use this and conflate terms but it's it's much more offensive right you're on the offenses you're moving downfield you're trying to move people downfield whereas the pass game as an offensive lineman is much more defensive and reactionary right you're obviously moving backwards um in your pass set you're reading as you're moving backwards you have a little bit more freedom your head is up um, in the run game obviously you're typically buried into a guy at least for you know, a second or two before you get your eyes up on a on a linebacker looking for run throughs and get to your second level assignments, things like that. So the run game is difficult from that perspective. And when you have your head swimming with new run concepts and new play calls, well, it's it, I should hesitate there. It's not necessarily new run concepts. There are only so many run concepts in the game of football. Um, just like EJ said, it, defensive schemes. There's only so many schemes. It's the terminology and it's the it's understanding the 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 bigger picture in terms of the Offensive game plan and what other people's assignments are as they relate to your assignments. That's the most difficult part, the most difficult adjustment in the run game uh, for offensive linemen. So, having all that swimming around in your head is potentially an issue. And that's why, that's partly why playbooks are dumbed down. Trees are all basically the same. Uh, route combinations for receivers can be varied, but for the most part, all schools run essentially the same the same route tree and the same route combinations. Just they they might run them to different sides of the field, and in, you know some things are run into a boundary versus some things run into a field. Other schools do it vice versa. So it's really not that it's not that much different from a receiver standpoint. But the offensive linemen, coaches, and coordinators all know offensive linemen have a lot more going on. So the the playbooks are often dumbed down for that purpose because if you can't get the blocking right up front. You're not going to be able to move the ball. You're not going to be able to, you know, to progress offensively. Then you move to the pass game, and obviously blitz blitz pickup is, is, is key um, in, in the pass game, and it's much easier to identify because you're typically in a two-point stance. Your eyes are up. They're very rarely ever locked into a single player. Um, so you're constantly scanning the field before the ball is snapped so it's it's easier from that perspective diagnosing defenses but you still have to remember your your pass protection scheme and your responsibilities in the scheme so that again is is an added layer of complication for linemen that's why you know this first year you'll probably see a lot of slide protection on the offensive line a lot of 6 man protection schemes which is essentially a basic protection scheme um, so that you'll 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 see much more of that tight end staying in blocking providing help until the offensive line becomes a little more comfortable with with the with the passing scheme. Second, the transition from this is to the running backs. So running backs in pass protection, not so much the run game because they are the run game, but in pass protection running backs have a very difficult time at my experience has been with a coaching change in learning the pass protection schemes. It's not easy pass protecting from the running back position. You, you typically typically have guys that are in front of you, offensive linemen, that are taller than you are, that are bigger, they take up more space, and you have to sort of think in the negative. It's a process of elimination most of the time. You have to understand as a running back all of your current assignments in the run game. You also have to understand route combinations in the route tree and your, your responsibilities there. If you're actually going to go out for a route and you're going to, be out there in the you know catching passes but when you have to stay and block you have to know when to stay and block you have to know when to release and in order to know what to do and who your responsibility is it's typically the guy that's left over so as a running back you have to know what every offensive lineman is doing where the slide is going because the running back typically it always for the most part goes opposite the slide right so they fill the back side of the slide um, if there's a tight end staying in or if you for whatever reason you have two tight ends staying in, in the pass game. And for some reason you have to stay in and max protection. Um, what's your responsibilities there. So you got to know who the tight ends are blocking. And all of that, again, is typically done through a process of elimination. So that can become, um, you know, that's difficult for guys that are seasoned and established in an offensive scheme. When you throw in new responsibilities, new terminology, that becomes very difficult, even though the, the general pass protection concepts are the same from offense to offense all right good stuff man let's take a very quick commercial
1: break though to talk about our friends over at johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com they are a longtime partner with us here at inside carolina and they are an absolute tradition and a staple there on franklin street you can stop by their location on game days or during the week you can also shop at john t-shirt.com you can get the brand new mac is back t-shirt like we've been saying the season is only less than two weeks away now the students are back on campus. It is a great place to go to with the family. Swing by when you're in Chapel Hill on these beautiful Saturdays that are going to be coming up. Get your family decked out in Tar Heel gear. Giant T shirt has the best customer service. They also cater solely to Carolina fans, they are your destination for the Tar Heel gear. And as a bonus, inside Carolina premium subscribers save 10% off of their orders either at giantt shirt.com or at their shop there on Franklin Street. So, again, remember that 10% off discount code. You can get that as an Inside Carolina premium subscriber. It's available on the premium basketball message board and the premium tar pit. So, check out giant t shirt, giant t shirt.com. All right, guys. So, let's go ahead and play a little bit of put yourself in the coordinator cap. And I want to start with EJ on this one. So EJ, if you were the defensive coordinator, here we are. We are recording on Wednesday, a week and a half before the very first game. Camp just got over with. At this point, 10 days out, how much are you still going over implementing the new playbook? Or are you already starting to game plan a little bit for what South Carolina is going to bring to Charlotte next Saturday? It's a good mix
2: of both. So, uh, at the beginning of the training camp, of course, it's all about working on us. It's about focusing on us. And that's what the majority of camp is until you start to wind down to the end. That's where you're starting to notice some of the schemes that you do, especially defensive, some of the looks that the scout team's giving you, some of the looks that even the offensive, uh, the offensive team is giving you, uh, the starter on when we're going ones on ones, it's going to be more catered to to what they're going to see against South Carolina. You'll never be more prepared than you uh, for the first game than you will for any game. Probably may, maybe other than the bowl game, simply because there's more recent footage to watch. But I, I think a lot of that is, is being mixed in already. I mean, this is an important game. I mean, as we've been talking about during this whole podcast, so yes, the playbook is going to be dumbed down a little bit. So I think that makes it easier to apply that and just kind of switch focus off to South Carolina. Uh, I said earlier that the playbook uh, kind of matures with the player. So as, they, as they're as they getting their confidence uh, and they know the playbook, they know going to the game that they don't have to second guess themselves. They know where they're supposed to be. They know what their keys are. They know exactly what plays that South Carolina's uh, offense is going to run and what they're going to see from them. That's going to allow them to play more freely, more loose. And once they have that down pack, and. That they develop the identity i think that's when the the coordinator if i was the coordinator that's when i would start to say okay my team's stronger in this area or we usually do this let's switch it up a little bit or let's try to make this more complex since they've mastered the basic concept of this because when these coordinators are first coming in when you give someone the playbook they're just looking at a bunch of different plays but it takes reps and during the spring uh during uh, training camp and even during the season going through actual things to actually get the timing of everything right and start to see concepts start to see that oh I'm not just going here going here I'm going here for a reason and and they kind of you learn who's the guy that's supposed to be free yeah I am I'm shooting the gap over here but I'm not shooting the gap to make the play I'm shooting the gap to be a distraction for my teammate that's wrapping around so I think that's going to come along with confidence and and just basically knowing the playbook so I think that focus on South Carolina probably started I'll say I'll say towards the last uh seven seven practices and they start to ramp up a little bit more going into the end of camp I think they're they're pretty much probably have their game plan uh, and, and know what they're gonna do against South Carolina and know what they're gonna see so I definitely think that they've been working and focusing on South Carolina
3: yeah and to that same point um South Carolina's got their game plan essentially in the books at this point for Carolina um, they 've been doing the exact same thing. The benefit that we have the built in advantage obviously is what we talked about earlier but there 's just not a lot of film well there 's actually zero film on carolina 's personnel running any of these offensive schemes or defensive schemes uh, unless they somehow got their hands on some spring ball footage, which is an act it 's not unheard of to somehow wind up with scrimmage footage from the spring uh, but that even that film coaches understand would be relatively useless because there's a lot that changes from the spring into the summer camp and then there's a lot that changes obviously from the beginning of camp to the end of camp including personnel um so you don't really know that a spring depth chart isn't nearly as useful as as um you know the media or fans you know might make one out to be it it will typically change due to um injuries but also guys coming on in the summer and the and during some workouts and then during the fall camp that, you know, show coaches uh, a leap of improvement and sets themselves apart from the guy that was the starter in the springtime. So you have personnel changes and then you'll obviously have scheme changes. You know, things will get scrapped between the spring and the summer. And uh, even from the start of camp to the first game, concepts will get scrapped, uh, plays will get scrapped, certain things will get added in uh, just because you see over that course of time, the ability and capabilities of the personnel you have out on the field. And then what
1: about as far as the offensive game plan against South Carolina, Mike? Where do you think they are at right now, 10 days out?
3: Um, they're still tinkering a little bit. They've they've got their base concepts ready to go. At this point, they're probably fine-tuning that and seeing if there's anything extra that they can throw in, some some new stuff. You'll see probably... Uh, we're nine days out now you'll probably see two or three days from now they'll start throwing in some trick plays or some gadget plays to keep things interesting because the guys are getting a little burnt out I bet Um, if they have introduced that game plan and have started working on that which I imagine they do you typically do that about two weeks out so at least for the past four or five days four or five practices they've been running through one period at least of South Carolina specific concept schemes and, and whatnot they've been watching film on South Carolina since the springtime but they've actually been implementing um, their game plan or at least a portion thereof for at least five days now maybe a little bit longer maybe a full week like EJ mentioned um, but that game plan is all but solidified it's getting fine-tuned and then they're going to start like I said throwing in some gadget stuff and some interesting wrinkles to to keep guys focused but also to see what they can get away with uh, but the first 15 will be a stat the first 15 plays that is the first 15 plays are typically scripted for every offense. The first 15 will be uh will will be all but solidified, I'd say, within the next within the next 3 to 4 days.
1: Let me ask you a quick follow up, Mike. The starting quarterback, well, I shouldn't say starting quarterback. The the quarterback that will be receiving the first team reps was announced. Earlier with Sam Howell being the winner of the competition. How big of a deal do you think it is that Howell will be getting a majority of the reps at minimum and looks to be in line to be getting all of the first team ones now until South
3: Carolina? Uh, I mean, Sam will be the starter, barring on un- something unforeseen. I mean, that's sometimes coaches, you know, name a first team rep guy. Um, they don't. They won't call him the starter. Sometimes they'll name him the first team rep guy to light a fire under the ass of one of the you know one of the other quarterbacks they think actually should be the guy. I don't know that that's going on here. Um, you know, listen, Sam was Max guy. You could it, you knew it from the moment Sam decommitted and and from Florida State and came to Chapel Hill that he was going to be the guy. It's 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 and it's nothing against Reuter or Fortin. They're <laughs> I think they're both incredibly capable quarterbacks. I, I honestly think jace Ruder or Cade ford would start at any school um you know any school they played at with the exception of alabama or clemson at this point uh maybe ohio state right they've got their guys but you see even like tate martell transfers down to miami and he's not you know he he ultimately isn't the starter so i mean that that just goes to show that these guys could transfer probably anywhere and they would have as you know equal an opportunity to start and play immediately um as they do here at carolina and circumstances just didn't work out and we knew we were going to have this issue um coming into camp that you've got three quarterbacks that are division one starters and can win football games and win a lot of football games at this level and two guys are going to get left out one of them is probably going to transfer we don't know which one that is i hope it's not both but you're going to see one of them transfer Um, one of them may get a position change like Chaz Surratt did. And if they're open to that, they'll stay in the program. And if they're not, they'll leave. And that's just the reality of where we are. That's when you have a, uh, when you have a, a gluttony of division one, starting quarterbacks in your quarterback room, this is the problem you run into, but you know, Sam starting and, and being the guy, it does two things. Number one, naming him now and getting him reps. This is what goes to your original question will better prepare him for the game. You you cannot possibly get all the concepts in. You can't get all the film study in. You can't get everything rolled in um, from a game plan perspective with your starting quarterback if he's not taking reps. That's why backup quarterbacks typically don't perform so well when they come into a game. Though they may be a change of pace guy and throw defenses off, defenses off for a series or two, they typically fizzle out, burn out quickly because they just haven't had the reps and the preparation that the starter has had. So at this point... Sam will be the most I mean, by just he necessarily will be the most prepared guy going into the South Carolina game, and that's why he that's why he will start, uh, barring, again, something catastrophic or unforeseen. The second benefit of naming Sam this early, and specifically Sam and not one of the other guys, is that it signals to the quarterbacks that Mac is recruiting that if you come here and you can play, you're my guy and I will play you. Um it's it's as much a recruiting tactic as it is um, you know, an immediate team building exercise and, and setting your depth chart. So it has, and, and coaches understand that. And if they tell you that that's not part of their calculus, they're lying to you. But um, so the, the, the first, the benefit, the, the number one, the primary benefit, the primary motive for naming Sam now is to have a starter ready to go for week one. He can go ahead and be confident that he's going to be the guy. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He's not going to lose the job between now and then I would be very surprised if he did. Um, and it also signals to recruits that, um, as a secondary benefit, that, listen, you know, we're going to continue recruiting you. They are continuing to recruit through camp. You come here and fear my guy, you'll have a chance to play just like Sam. All right, guys, let's take a
1: final, very brief commercial break. When we get back, wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how the players themselves are looking forward to having a game coming up very soon, within two weeks. So stay tuned, and we'll be wrapping up the podcast right after this.
0: Selling a little Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
4: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
1: And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll. All right, EJ, Mike has been hogging the mic here for the last few minutes, so uh, let's go ahead and turn it back over to you, man. Mike, go ahead. I love you. Yeah, I, love well, you. I was. I was just
3: going to tell you what else is new, right?
1: <laughs> That's All right, <laughs> man. Uh, so, EJ, as a you know, looking back as to your your playing days, the week before game week. Especially the first game, having gone through camp, you've been working on, like you said, the, the the game plan by this point for a little while. Just as a player, are you feeling more anxious right now? Are you feeling some like anticipation, some nerves? What's going through their minds here? A little bit over a
2: week out. All of the above. Uh, it's 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 really a transition. It all depends on what time of the day it was for me. When I'm waking up in the morning, I'm just anticipating. I'm, I'm just kind of that's all I'm thinking about. it. So it's making me anxious. But as I go through the day and I start watching film and I get more confident in, in our game plan, get more confident in, in me knowing my assignments and knowing the team that we're playing, it just becomes anticipation. I, it's It's something that I just can't wait to happen the night before the game. I I can never sleep. I I never have slept the night before first game because it's like you've been beating up on your teammates all all year long between spring ball and and training camp and practices leading up to the game. You've just been beating up on each other and you want some fresh blood. You want to go against somebody who's not wearing the same helmet as you are. So. There, there's always that. I mean, I don't think there's there's nothing more exciting other than playing for a championship in football than it is for the first game. I mean, playing your rivals great. But but playing that first game, I don't care no matter who the opponent is. It's like if you if you're a returning player, you get to show off, Okay, this is how much better I've gotten since last year. This is the new me. This is the new and improved me. This is our new and improved team this is the only time you get to make a first impression to make a, your, your impact, your opening statement for that season. So I think it's, it's important for everyone. I think even from the coaching staff down to the, the people who will be doing being parking lot attendance outside of the stadium, everyone's excited and anticipating this and Mac Brown is back in town. So, I mean, I think that puts a little bit extra on this season opener. And I mean, we're, we're playing rival, we're playing our rivals and it's just a lot that kind of makes this game the perfect storm. So if I'm a player, I'm, I'm super excited.
1: Mike, let's go ahead and get your thoughts though, man, as a player here the week before game week, where is, where was your mind at and you know, just what experiences did, did you have at this point in the season?
3: Uh, depends on what year you're talking about. My senior year, I was, it was all uh, exercise and nostalgia. Every single day I walked out on the field, I was thinking, well, this is one less practice I have here. This is, you know, one less day I have here. This is one day closer to the start of my last season. And then every game will be one less game. And that's, that's kind of how I thought about it. So, I mean, though training camp sucks and and nobody, (laughs) no, nobody likes training camp. uh, My senior year was a little bit different approach. I mean, in terms of butterflies for the game, I, I didn't really start. I didn't get. I didn't, I didn't get terribly nervous for the game until probably Friday afternoon at the walkthrough was when I started getting some butterflies. And then really, it was right after kickoff. As we're in the huddle for the first series, is when the butterflies would kick in immediately, kind of out of nowhere. And I would need to get those first three or four plays under my belt um, and kind of knock the nerves out of me that, uh, that I really settled into the game. It really, it was, I was very, I towed the line and got right up to the very last second before my nerves would kick in. So really the leak, the week leading up was just, pre- you know, my mind was focused solely on preparation and getting ready and, and performing. And then kind of all that, I guess the nerves and the adrenaline and the excitement and the anticipation was building up during that preparation phase. And it all just kind of came on at, you know, one, one immediate instance um, as I rolled out into the, onto the field in that very first huddle of the game. And then, and then it was typically gone four or five minutes later after we got through a couple of plays. So, All right, guys. Well, uh, I think that should
1: go ahead and about wrap this one up. And uh, I do have one final piece of business to discuss real quick. And that is the inside Carolina ticket giveaway. Mike EJ, unfortunately you guys are not eligible to uh, win tickets here This is only for the listeners. I'm I'm terribly sorry, guys. I'm just, just really from the bottom of my heart. Malarkey. Sorry, (laughs) but uh, so the Inside Carolina crew, guys, we are here to go ahead and have a very, very, very special deal for our listeners. What this is is this is a giveaway. It's two. Pairs of tickets. So four tickets in total to next Saturday's game against South Carolina. If you are the top prize winner, you get two club level seats courtesy of IC. Second place winner gets two lower level seats. So either way, it gets you into the game. This giveaway is going to end after this podcast. So this is going to be your final chance to enter into it. What you have to do is visit either the premium football message board or the regular football message board click the thread about the ticket giveaway and enter the code this week the code is 1903 which is the very first year that carolina and south carolina played so 116 years ago was Chakos still still playing football back in nineteen oh three? Mike was, was that about when when he started his career?
3: Yeah, I actually think that was when he got his first medical red shirt. Ah, okay, okay.
1: EJ, any defensive guys that uh, you can think of that were back there in nineteen oh three? You know,
2: yeah, Malik Brown. I was that's the exact name I was going to say. Malik <laughs> Brown was there. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Malik Brown. Uh, he's, he's, a, stiff. He's, he's stiff You stiff He's a seventy-eight
1: time Letterman. <laughs> hey, just just never leave college. Make him wheel you out on a stretcher.
2: He's the Van Wilder of college football. Love yes. it, uh,
3: John. Right. If I can make one more announcement here, um, yes. Before we go, so we've got the uh, any Letterman that are listening. EJ knows all about this, but we have the Letterman's tailgate that we're putting on. Thanks to Garrett Reynolds and some other guys, um, we are hosting the Letterman's tailgate. Football will be participating in, in it this year. Um, uh, Mac Brown wanted to have a little bit of input and give us give us a hand, so uh, we'll have a, a Letterman's tailgate. It'll be. Uh, we'll have a spot on Bell Tower Drive, just like back in 2017. Again, we're trying to make this a, a an every year tradition. Clearly, last year got rained out from the hurricane that never happened in Chapel Hill, but it, we want to keep this going for for years to come. So, um, there's there's no admission cost to it. Everything will be provided. Uh, but if you have a chance, please reach out to me or Garrett Reynolds. That that tailgate will be taking place at the Miami game, eight o'clock kickoff. Uh, it will likely start sometime around two o'clock. Um, we'll be getting it set up in the morning and then it should be ready to go and rolling by one or two o'clock in the afternoon. But please feel free to email me, text me, message me on social media, whatever you need to do. And I will send you details. Um, we have a very large mailing list, but I know that a lot of people are left off of that. So please, if you haven't gotten notification of that, and you know, you're a letterman, you're one of the guys we played with, older generation, younger generation, doesn't matter. Um, please reach out to me and I will get you that information as soon as I can.
1: Awesome. That sounds like a really great time. Uh, hopefully that is a huge success that Miami game. That is going to be just a great way to kick off the, the, the home football season. Eight o'clock PM. I mean, yeah, everyone needs to be there for that one. But uh, guys, we'll go ahead and call this one to an end. We'll be talking next week and pretty much for the entire season. We'll be having these Wednesday podcasts going to be posting either Wednesday night or Thursday. It'd be mostly talking tactics this year. So everyone listening in, stay tuned for the continuation of this series. For now, though, EJ, Mike, hope that you guys have a good rest of your evening. Easy to
3: say. Thanks, John.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTshirt.com. Where
4: to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase?